0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall. And wearing the red, white, and blue trunks, presenting Kyle
1: Brad. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for everybody listening, watching. Another exciting, exhilarating episode of Ten Questions is upon us, and we have a contestant that also is exciting and exhilarating. And you will see why. You know how the deal is here: we have ten questions, each worth one point. Everybody leaves with a final score. Zero, one, nine, whatever you want. It's up to you. But before we get to this contestant, why don't we give him and you some context about how some prior contestants have done. Here are prior 10 questions contestants and their final scores. Let it rip. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got six out of 10. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd, and I got a seven out of 10.
0: Hey, I'm Aaron Andrews. I got a five out of 10.
1: I'm Guy Fieri, and I got six out of 10. It's Kyle Cheats. I'm
0: Tim Robbins, and I got seven out of 10. Just saying. Hi, I'm Patton Oswald, and I got an 8 out of 10.
1: King Patton with the 8 out of 10, but will he reign long? Let's find out. Give me my contestant intro music, please. Today's contestant stepping into the 10 questions, Octagon, has a master's degree in acting. Like myself, he grew up spending summers in Door County, Wisconsin. Like myself, he loves the movie All About Steve. And uh, Card Sharks, yes, that Card Sharks, he is the host of Sunday Night, 10 Eastern on ABC. One of the most talented, one of the most delicious men in all of Hollywood, Mr. Joel McHale. Welcome to 10 Questions, Joel.
0: Wow, that was a very, that was a very iffy intro, but I will take it. I will take, never been described as delicious, but I'll take
1: it. Have you been properly briefed on exactly what this is you're about to do? It's a little different absolutely not <laughs> perfect i will do the briefing then joel i do have 10 questions for you they're all about you somehow they may seem strange bizarre completely oh. tangential but in some way they will link to you or your life if you get it right you get a point if you get it wrong you get zero if you get the question right you hear this really cool sound effect you'll give your answer and i'll say is joel right and i'll sound like this Okay. Badass, right? And we will rock today, Joel. I have, some, I have some great rock for you in this episode. I'm a little nervous because I know you're a game show host on a very high level, but I have to finish this off. If you get it wrong, which would be unfortunate, you're going to hear this sound, which is crestfallen people throwing tomatoes at you. Okay? Uh, but it's nice to hear a crowd. Hey, they packed the place for you. And Joel, if there's an event that you've got a question and you have a, no clue, I don't have any guess whatsoever, you can call for the coin toss. One time in the 10 questions, just call for the coin toss, and I will give you A or B answers, and you can just choose one, and we're off and running. Are you ready to roll? I am so fucking ready. My man! I love working blue on 10 questions. Let's start this thing off with Joel McHale. Remember, Joel, the questions are weird. They somehow will apply to you, the host of Card Sharks. Question number one. I thought this was NFL Live, but okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yes, I'm Trey Wingo. What do we think about the Seahawks running game? We'll get to the Seahawks, I promise. Question number one, your category is Alaska. In the annual Iditarod sled dog race across Alaska, what breed of dog is used? Husky. He says a husky is used. Ladies and gentlemen, is Joel McHale one for one? Yeah! Got it.
0: I see what you're doing now.
1: All right, see... You may be one of the first contestants to actually get how the game works. People are flailing for answers. What you should be doing is looking at yourself and what dog has to do with me. Of course, yeah, okay. Husky is intimately connected to you because you were a Husky. People yes. don't know this. They see you on TV, Joel. They don't know that you were a Pac-10 college football player at the University of Washington. Yeah. at a really important time for Washington Huskies football when they were winning national championship. Tell us what it was like.
0: Oh, I dragged that team down and I was able to take them from, you know, sharing a national championship to, you know, like barely getting into, you know, eighth place in the Pac-10. No, I was a walk-on. So I was a, I was a, I was cannon fodder, but it was the greatest, uh, greatest two years of my life. And I got to play football with Ernie Conwell and Mark Bruner, who were the, who were the fellow tight ends and. Um, I like to say that I didn't get killed and I didn't get uh, run off the field. And I think other players would say, yeah, you know what? He wasn't totally awful. And um, the most respect I got was on skit night. So that should tell you about how good i was
1: but people who didn't play know it don't know maybe sometimes at the end of camp or before the opener you have like a talent show or skit night and the hams show up and it's not often the best players so joel i, I think you are maddeningly self-deprecating about your football ability i mean i've googled i've seen you in the picture outside the rose bowl you're oh, number yeah. 84 even yeah. if you are a walk-on for a national championship to caliber team you must have had some game
0: Uh, I was definitely, well, when Ernie Conwell, who was the scariest athlete I've ever seen, uh, he, when he usually had that foot thing going on, so then I was actually faster. So I was fast. I can say that. I wouldn't say I was agile, but if they needed me to run down the field, I had a very strong 40-yard dash for someone who was 245 pounds.
1: Did you ever get to play in a game? Oh, fuck no.
0: Really? I... There was so the first year I didn't I didn't play uh, football in high school. I played one year, and I was a rower in college. I was recruited to row, and then that sport there the, that was run by a bunch of a holes. Who I, my theory is that the the lead the least if you don't have any fans, you have to make up for it in kind of douchebaggery sure. and rituals. And they made the freshmen shave their heads and shave their eyebrows off and put that hair into a pillow. And then that pillow was put into a display case of other hair pillows, which was not disturbing or serial (laughs) killer-like at all. So then my friends, uh, this guy named Chico Fraley and Damon Heward, uh, these guys were like, hey, you should come out. And on a whim, I went out for football and I gained like 40 pounds. And um, so I was... oh. I, I was definitely okay, but so they the, the I did that first year, and then they redshirted me my sophomore year, going, "Hey, if you really uh, work hard, you might be able to get out there." And I was like, "Thank you." And I then, you know, then I was like, "I want to be an actor." And I, I quit to you. I, I booked a national commercial, and I was like, "This is an omen. I'm leave. I'm gonna leave." And uh, it was, it was, uh, it was. You know, it was a good decision for me because I was never the caliber of athlete that the other that you know, Mark Bruner and Ernie Conway were unreal.
1: What was the national commercial?
0: Oh, it was the Ford Aspire,
1: my friend. (laughs) Did you speak in it or did you just drive?
0: Uh, I laid on a blanket. I walked with this lady, and the Ford Aspire, they thought it was going to be this huge hit (laughs) home car. But then do you remember the Dodge Neon? Of course. It came out at the
1: same time, and it blew it out of the water. (laughs) Oh, no. I can tell you this, Joel. You are aspiring to go two for two right now because you are one for one. It's important to get that first completion. Let's go number two, and this is better. You have a uh, choice here. I have two categories for you. Joel, would you like the category of college basketball or golf? Whichever you like.
0: This is the hardest decision.
1: (laughs) Into the categories. (laughs) This is a trick question Then when I pick the category, it's going to be like, you win! No, Uh, no, 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 it's not, let's make a deal. It's not that. College basketball or golf? College basketball. you You want college basketball. Here we go. Your category is college basketball. Late legendary college basketball coach, Jerry Tarkanian, went by what nickname?
0: Oh, boy, I should know this. Uh...
1: Because it's going to be related to me. It is going to be related to you. Yeah, and I know that during the Tarkanian heyday in the early '90s at UNLV, I'm sure you were—you were probably uh, maybe in high school. Crazy uh, Ogman. Yeah, Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony. Whatever happened to Larry Johnson? Grandmama. I don't. I don't know. Better question is, what happened to his coach? What, what, what's his nickname? She, and remember, you can burn the coin toss if you want to now, or you can—you can sound it out in your head. There's—there's there's no rush. Jerry Tarkanian, also known as... Throwing chairs, he's biting towels. Yes, yes.
0: They didn't call him the towel biter or park something like I mean, that. No. Something, no.
1: Uh, as soon as I hear it, I'm going to... Man, you're close. You're real close. I know you know this one. This is
0: from too many times smacking my head into something in glasses of wine. Um... Yeah, this is the point. All right, I'll do the coin toss now.
1: All right, coin toss. Bring it out. It is burned. It's all right. Aaron Rodgers used it on the first question. Used it on number two. Was Jerry Tarkanian's nickname the Bear or was it the Shark? It's gotta be the Shark. It's the Shark. It's the Shark. He's two for two. Shark Week. It's Shark Week. You also host a program uh, with with Shark. With shark in the title. Card Sharks.
0: Card Sharks. Shark Week. Uh... <laughs> shoot that was you got well, it
1: that, you got it now you it's burned
0: it. uh i look i'm out of the I, I i noticed that when you gave me a little audio of the celebrities going like i was six for ten i was seven for ten you didn't have any like i got one and uh <laughs> my name's rob Riggle. damn it
1: wriggle hasn't graced us yet steve smith senior the, the uh, future hall of fame wide receiver from the panthers he got yeah. a three out of ten So you're already at a two (laughs) after two questions. I asked about Shark, because, of course, Card Sharks. Everybody has this awesome sense of warm retro goodness about these old game shows. What do you enjoy most about hosting it? The money. Yeah. And wait, (laughs) uh,
0: you know, uh, I, when they came to me and I had been on match game a couple times with Alec yeah. Baldwin and I knew what and that was a success with that they brought back and he's so great and then then they're like Elizabeth Banks is going to do press your luck and I'm and then I was like I love that game and then they offered this and I was like absolutely and beca- it's such a simple poker game it's but the stakes could not get higher with just turning over cards it's just like a high-low game and I always thought I don't know I was always just I I when I saw people win hundreds of thousands of dollars I made I was like I'm experiencing joy for these people and uh, I I had a you know it ended up being a really like it gets tense so I really in, enjoyed that I did not think I I didn't I'm not a person that like would would and because I I don't don't go to vegas but now i get excited about the games uh and you should see some of the people's reaction it also sucks when people i watched a guy lose four hundred thousand dollars on the turn of a card. Oh, <laughs> i'm so sorry we'll give you this sweatshirt that says card sharks on it how does that sound uh so you know i i love all yeah these old games they brought them all back because they worked so well like to tell the truth as well you know they they, they worked
1: well so why not You know, the biggest recommendation I can give the show is Joel. I've watched you and listened to you do a lot of interviews about this. And you do these talk shows and you just got joke, joke, and you're really kinetic and you just hit, hit, hit. There's this rare moment where you turn it down and stop and you're genuinely, really, really authentic and almost moved by these people on the show. And there's no joke and there's no snark. And you're like, you know, man, it's really cool. The guy wins a lot of money. It changes his life. And I'm like, Mikhail, you just made me tear up. That's great. You're like, look at <laughs> you. You've got a heart. You're not the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: true. And I'll come home and tell my wife about it. And she's like, you're genuinely touched. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I know. It's weird. And also, I get free suits. So that Oh, you is- do?
1: Oh, that's a good story, too. You know, all the game shows are back. I'm so glad that you're part of one of them because you're you're great at them. There's also I'm waiting for the real revolution and, and renaissance of the classic 80s sitcoms. Like mm. that needs to happen because you could do that as well. If Joel, if you could make any sitcom come back ever, like we're gonna do a remake, we're gonna do it, and we want Mikhail, what would it be?
0: Uh probably the dad on Small Wonder.
1: Oh, yes. Vicky's dad. (laughs)
0: I love it. Yeah, that that show was bananas and it was about like, (laughs) we've got a robot daughter and that's just I I just it's so weird that it was on and it worked really well. It was like a it was a hit and it's just weird to think that it happened. So, yeah, bring that back.
1: Yeah. If anyone was alive in the mid 80s, (laughs) Vicky was it was basically a Terminator, really (laughs) like this dad (laughs) makes a robot girl. And she, sometimes when she would get wet, like her head would spin and explode and it was really disturbing. If, when whatever answer you were going to give, Joel, I was going to be like, they should bring back Small Wonder. <laughs> so we're on the same fucking page, man. Now, I Great jingle, great everything.
0: I will say one of the sitcoms that I grew up watching that kind of changed my comedic outlook forever was Sanford and Son because Red Fox referred to his son as Dummy. In every scene. And he just was like, hey, dummy. And I thought that was so funny as a kid. I was just like, a dad who calls this kid dummy all the time. It made me so and then it was it is unrelated, but my dad would call all my brothers. I have two brothers and okay. me, jerk. There was no, it was just like, hey jerk, let's go. And it didn't matter which one it was, but we knew who he was talking to. And I it just warmed my heart.
1: Maybe they bring that back. I'm not sure you'll be cast in it, but I I would love a Sanford and Son reboot at some point, if only for the jingle. All right, um, let's go, dummy. You are no dummy. You're two for two. And a, a brisk pace right here. Question number three. Joel McHale, your category Disney movies. In 1992's Aladdin, what kind of pet does Princess Jasmine have? Princess Jasmine. Princess Jasmine has a pet what kind of pet does she have well the prince uh what's his name has a monkey that's aladdin that's the titular aladdin is a monkey what does princess jasmine have oh man not a shark (laughs) no pet shark Nope. what kind of pet does she have yeah and how could it connect to joel McHale? yeah Kids, Joel, you, like you a ever, Alding Cat? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> you watch Aladdin in the House if you had not the Will Smith one, I guess you could say that one too, but no, I'm talking no, about the OG the
0: Robin Williams one, yeah, amazing. Um, that, okay, so it's not what is it it's not the parrot because that was on Jafar's shoulder. That's Gilbert Gottfried. I like, I've named
1: the other two, yeah, you've named multiple animals in this movie, but not the one Princess Jasmine. Not allow you really. It was a
0: bowl of soup sitting on her. Uh, but then you know, like we had the monkey in
1: community. Yep. They don't think it was two monkeys. Nope. It was not a bowl of soup. It was not pet bisque We'll get to soup later. It must have been some kind of
0: dog. Since I have three dogs and I put them on my Instagram a lot. You do? Yes.
1: You think it was a dog? It was a dog. Joe McHale says the princess Jasmine had a dog. Was it a dog? You're going to kick yourself, because you're going to see why this is an easy answer. Princess Jasmine had a pet tiger. She had a pet tiger. She wasn't the king of tigers. She was the princess of tigers. (laughs) She had a tiger. Joel, just take a minute.
0: I didn't say that because there's many illegal tigers in this country, and I do not approve of
1: them. Nor do I. And let's, let's get right into it. Tiger King's the biggest thing in the world. And I remember there was talk that they were going to do a special and you're going to get to meet these people and talk with them. Now, when I was in L.A., there were certain roles that would be like everybody in town is auditioning for. It. It's the biggest role, like like when they were casting Anakin Skywalker, like every dude from between 15 and 30 read for that part. Everybody wanted it. I feel like the Tiger King reunion, it, the Tiger King and I special was that. And it was you. What how did you even begin to prepare to be the voice of America talking to these people?
0: Uh well, I I drew uh well with a Sharpie onto my naked chest to promo <laughs> it. And uh I that fell into my that that, that they offered it like on a Wednesday, okay. and then we worked out the details, and then the second we started going, it had to be uh, it, they, we started researching it on Friday and we were phone, call- we had to start taping it Sunday because it had to be ready the following Thursday. And so it was such a breakneck, uh, pace that what that I think it was also because they wanted to do one more episode, but TMZ was also coming out with a special. So they wanted to beat sure TMZ and they had these people already lined up. And I don't know why they called me. It was very nice of them. Um, And then, but for all, for that interview that took, I don't know, half an hour or the total, uh, I interviewed those people for about an hour and a half a piece. And that was all shaved down into minutes. So it was a ton of work, obviously worth it. And I, that was the first time I could feel what it was like to be on something that everyone was watching. Uh, (laughs) All of a sudden, because like the soup was a niche thing and and community at the time was a niche thing. And I was like, my friend was like hey you're trending worldwide i'm like what are you talking about they're like yeah people are pissed and i'm like what and they're like yeah because you called joe exotic a felon i'm like well, <laughs> but he is a felon
1: 19 times uh, over i think right 19 or 21 i think
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to get him but the, that was right as covid was hitting and um his jail had a covid scare so they're like yeah you can't have him," and that then we just moved on but um but it was it was fascinating to talk to those people and to hear some of them be very honest and then others just lie. Uh, it was it was very we- it was it was surreal to to be very intensely watching that thing and then to just meet them. I was like, oh, this is what people do when they meet yeah. the like I've been watching you on TV. So yeah, I can't believe now people are like, you're part of Tiger King. I'm like, it's a, it's, a, it's a special. But listen, so I'm, I didn't do anything other than sit in my home. So it was really it was fun. It's but-
1: crazy. You you did a great job with it. I I think it was I can think it was really deceptively hard. And there was a lot of people watching. And you listen, you asked the right guys. You sit down and do this straight up interview. No, you gotta ask what's his name? Jeff Lowe. Like, how many affliction shirts do you have? You have to ask that. And you did. Yeah. It was gold. Um, did you have fun doing it? It looked like you did.
0: It was fun. It was exhausting in a weird way because uh, engaging someone for like an hour and a half or 90 or 60 minutes is intense. And then when you start talking about like pretty heavy subjects, like when the guy accidentally shot himself yeah. and, uh, about like they were, some of those people went through real traumas. And so when I started bringing that stuff up, some of them started getting pretty panicky and, uh, got pretty, got pretty intense. And I, I knew that I had to like try to cross, like throw in a bunch of jokes, but also don't yeah. Don't make it light because that will, that'll just be boring and, and stupid. So I, uh people were like, how did, cause Joe exotic is people worship the guy. So
1: you're talking about Joe I, Maldonado passage, of course.
0: Yes. His uh, proper yeah. name, The greatest country singer in history, but, and uh, yeah, he's a nut. And, um, and people just, I, I was, I, that was the first time. I mean, like we, I've had been on things that have been popular, but that yeah. was, that was, that was, People are gonna. My, I've never seen my Twitter feed just like explode with comments of of either hatred or love like that.
1: Was there? You said you talked to them all for a long time, and then you know they edited it down and everything. Was there something that didn't make the cut that made an impression on you? That's like that. What got left out? Um, I think the guy,
0: what's his name, who didn't have teeth.
1: Yeah, the boyfriend who then got them for the special. Then got him. Yeah
0: think I alluded to like, sir, were you guys high all the time? And he was like, no. And I was like, I think you were. Uh, so it was kind of like a, like a, all right, well, if you weren't high all the time, what's going on? <laughs> right. uh, uh, so I think, though no, it was, I talked for like three days straight. So yeah. I it's fun. I mean, with, like Jeff Lowe, like when, he, they were the first people we talked to, and he, they got the baby, they got the girlfriend, and then yeah. immediately it comes out that he was cheating on her with the nanny. <laughs> right. so like, geez, it I was just like, jeez, please. It was
1: big, dude. It was American history, and you were, well, I mean, it really was, like, was.
0: People were like, are you going to get Carol Baskin? And they were like, I don't think we're going to get her. Uh, she doesn't speak to anybody at Netflix. She's pretty mad, and understandably, she <laughs> murdered her husband. And, and <laughs> I'll stop.
1: Uh, It was the best. You were the best. And you're doing two out of three. We're clipping right along. And here's the good news, Joel. Stop right there. We stop right there. Stop right there. You're at 66%. But there's still work to be done. And you're going to love this category. This is a fan favorite. And this is going to be wheelhouse for you. This is called Finish the Lyric. What I'm going to do for you, Joel, is I'm going to play you a song, a popular song. And we're going to stop on a dime. The the lyricist is going to stop. When he or she stops, you have to finish the lyric, whatever it may be. And I think it's going to be a song you know. I'm not sure. But let's try. Joel McHale, finish this lyric. And the man in the box in my oh,
0: you come save me
1: hit it hit it we got it yeah oh, you come, it. come on Lane! save me yeah save me save uh, me yes man on the box
0: i uh, saw them in 1989
1: tell me about it i love that band tell me
0: uh, at uh, bumper shoot in Seattle, which at that point, nobody from the outside ever knew about it, but then it exploded. Um, and they were always the kind of second to last band. They weren't ever the, the band, uh, and they opened for this amazing band called the young fresh fellows, which half the band ended up being REM's touring band for years. Yeah. But, uh, 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 the younger fellows had a hit called Amy Grant, which I highly recommend you looking up. Nice. And they were they were the most popular band in Seattle. And then Nirvana, obviously Soundgarden, the Posies, and Pearl Jam all just exploded and were the scene. But. I remember Lane Staley screaming at the audience, yelling at us to pay attention. <laughs> and uh, then I saw them the year later at the 990 concert, opening again for yeah. Young Fresh Fellows. And everyone was kind of going, you know, this Allison Chains is really putting it together. They sound really good. And then the rest is history. And it's very sad because lane staley obviously had a problem um but the the rest of the band is there i've met a few of them they're wonderful guys
1: they're amazing and this brings me to my point i i I love all the same bands that you do and i grew up with seattle grunge and whatnot but you said something recently that i really identified with is that you've aged out of music meaning Mm -hmm. like you just you don't know any of the new stuff and personally joel like if i have people over i don't know what music to play like i still got Metallica and Pearl Jam and like that's kind of it so how do yeah. you deal with that because I don't know shit if it wasn't like 20 years ago
0: yeah I mean that music was popular in the mid you know like beginning of the mid 90s yeah. and obviously the 90s and there are people I mean if you look at like there are people that are born in 97 or in up to 2000 yeah. that are now 25 20 they're getting almost to be 30 and so for us I mean that. Think about what the think about the bands that were popular ten years before we were born.
1: Uh huh. And
0: then you're looking at like, like In the '60s. Yeah, you're looking at Buddy Holly, and you're looking at uh, I don't know Elvis. And I mean, I guess that's that is pretty. But you're, it's getting pretty. I don't. So what I do is I just put on books on tape and I make them listen to them. No, uh, <laughs> I I just don't put on any music. No, I, it's. Do I, you play it for
1: your kids? Like, would you play? Bad Motor Finger or, like, Pearl Jam 10, like, for your kids, you want them to know that? Like, our parents played us Elvis records?
0: Well, they're, I'll play some of them, and they'll be interested in some. Yeah. And have no... They'll be like, go ahead and play your little music.
1: Ah, do they make the right choices at least? Like, oh, I, I don't want to hear the Pearl Jam, but, you know, give me, uh, I, I don't know, some one-hit wonder from 1991. Like, they, or do they have good taste?
0: Uh, I they... They do like some of the Beatles that I play them. Okay, cool. They do not like Led Zeppelin. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of, I can understand how Led Zeppelin is a more of an acquired taste. It's not the most kind of poppy
1: yeah.
0: hit. Um, they love like, like their favorite, I think their favorite, you know, they love Imagine Dragons. And they love a lot of rap music, uh, but they, it's, it's hard to, it's such a moving target. I mean, I, you know you have 30,000 songs just on your it.
1: phone. I can't do it.
0: So I just go like you ever heard this one so oh you know what we uh, sometimes built a spill which was a big Seattle area they're from Boise there's a couple of them they like they'll like a couple of Fleet Foxes songs so there's kind of a you know there's an alt side of it but no you're right that it is there's a lot but I don't go like here, check out this "Color Me Bad" song. See what you think. Um, <laughs> Look
1: in my eyes. That's a cult of personality. "Color Me Bad" oh. was that I want to sex you up.
0: Uh, uh, yes. Cult of personality was living one color. Of the, I mean, that was from uh, Living Color, which was one of the greatest rock bands of the eighties and nineties. Uh, uh, uh Corey Glover and Vernon Reed uh, were pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. Oh, it, letter well, to a Landlord. Remember that? And yeah, then, Tom of
1: course, yes. Yeah. We can talk that stuff all day. Unfortunately, we have to keep going, Joel, because you're on fire on this thing. You're 3 for 4. As we get to question 5, let's not even slow down. Your question 5, your category is TV Dinners. What is the name of Swanson's TV Dinners targeted directly at big eating males? Hungry Man. He says Hungry Man. Is it Hungry Man? Wow. The Swanson Hungry Man yes so that's unbelievable is that because i diet all the time <laughs> no I'm constantly not eating carbs i know you're not eating carbs but i was trying to get you talking about dinner because you spoke at the white house correspondent dinner nice <laughs> Damn. Um, an unbelievable night i, I want to get into this because i'm fascinated by it 2014 which yeah. means that you were second term obama and Obama mm-hmm. was already reelected. So it's a real party. There's not a ton of stress in the room. Um, no. Packed room. You go up to the dais directly next to Michelle and Barack. A lot of heavy hitters in the room. Uh, obvious politicians, but tons of weird celebrities. And give me the behind the music. Uh, how You did 20 minutes of just bangers, one after another. How does the script come together? And what type of White House uh, stoppages are there about your actual script?
0: So this is, uh, uh, it was a, that when I got that job, I started preparing for it months in advance. Yeah, this and is like, big. yeah. I mean, Seth Meyers and Conan and Jimmy Kimmel, they all told me like, start now. Do not do, do not just kind of go, uh, start writing jokes the week before. So there's that here's what's so cool about our country is that there is no vetting. They will, you can, you, don't show them a thing. You can say anything. And we're the most powerful country on the planet. And they are allowed, I mean, this is, you're allowed to walk up and make fun of the most powerful person on the planet. And it's, I did an interview in Europe with some Eastern Bloc country guy. And I was like, what if I did that for your leader? They were like, jail. You'd be." <laughs> they'd be like, you'd be yeah. swinging a hammer, breaking up rocks for the rest of your life. And that's why, and now I don't, don't want to get too political, but go ahead to show that yeah, like for all the past presidents that can show that they can take a joke yeah. is so important and shows so much power and goes like, yeah, it's cool that we have wonderful comedy in our country and I can take a joke and I'm going to tell jokes. And then you've got, I, I don't care what your political affiliation is, but if you're super sensitive about that sort of stuff, it shows, I think, uh, a, a, a quite a trap door in your psyche that you can't, that you're like, ah, yeah. and so anyway, uh, yeah. So I think it's very sad that, 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 that that's gone away. It's because he, he doesn't want to sit there and take, take jokes, but he could just deliver jokes if he wanted. Anyway, that said that day, uh, with the, with these three writers that I work with, we very intensely, well, there's two writers and then this other writer joined us, but very intensely, uh, just took a thousand jokes and put, and we kept trying to make this thing shorter and short. We wanted it to be like 15 minutes and I would do a performance almost every day with them. I'd be like, and now I shall give you my show. And we would do a little show where I would tell all the jokes and then I would cut jokes and add jokes. And um, so I worked with these great writers named Brad Stevens and Boyd Vico. And then um, KP Anderson, uh, who's the executive producer of the soup. Um, also was with us and wrote some great jokes and I just performed it over and over because I knew the day I could like the day of, I couldn't believe because all my family's there and it is, it, there is so much happening. There's so many events. And I'm just, I was like, eyes on the prize, eyes on the prize. I carried a binder with me. Like I was carrying the launch codes and I was like, do not lose this thing. And then like, if you're a comedian, you get a few moments before you're like, all right, I just need a moment to kind of breathe yep. before I go on stage. You don't get that. You get to have dinner with Michelle Obama, which was two hours that i just like, this is the greatest dinner. Uh she, before you're set, before you're set. You before, because all this other stuff happens before all these speakers go up and no one's paying attention to them for the most part. Yeah. And then it's getting to that point where, I was like, it is this is coming up. Here we go. Cause this is, I know, I know because see I've seen so many of them. And uh and they are, you know, they're ready to laugh and to ridicule. And uh and I remember standing up and I had a dizzy spell, and I'm like, oh, somebody's nervous. And I get up there and uh and I cannot but I'm looking, I was like, there's 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 our president, there's Michelle Obama. And I'm looking at the you look on the audience and it looks like a wax museum. Uh, so you're like, oh, there's De Niro. There's the Doseckies guy. There's Russell Wilson. There's
1: <laughs> So Joel, I'm so thrilled to say this. We have a clip. And oh. we have a clip. This is Joel at the beginning of his routine in front of the Wax Museum, next to Michelle and Barack Obama. Jessica Simpson is there. Lupita Nyong'o. Matt Lauer. It's just a vast, the most, the vastest uh, ballroom you've ever seen. Joel gets up, and he does this.
0: Good evening, Mr. President, or as Paul Ryan refers to you, yet another inner-city minority relying on the federal government to feed and house your family. (laughs) I'm a big fan of President Obama. I think he's one of the all-time great presidents. Definitely in the top (laughs) fifty. Please
1: explain that to Jessica Simpson. You're right. That was just sitting right there and everyone looks oh. at her. <laughs> so you do it. You, you did great. You just, you clicked, you hit it. You got laughs. You, you got the ooze as it's going on or as it ends. Are you like a shooter who's unconscious? who just can't miss or how do you feel?
0: Well, Oh, I also forgot to mention the president goes before you. So the president is your opener. <laughs> and then he's your Alice
1: in Chains in 1989
0: <laughs> yeah so who else is I mean if you guys like who's a bigger opener than that no one no that's the biggest opener of all time so the second I get I told a couple of jokes that he didn't like and I might my, my goal was to offend everybody yeah uh and um so but he walked up and he shook my hand he was like that was good that was good that was real good and then um he they were like uh he literally was like Hey, if you're in town, uh, come by the house. And I'm like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which okay. house is that? The White House. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And then um,
0: Michelle forgot her purse. And they walked away out of the room. And I was like, Uh... Hey, excuse me? And uh, and then I like the, the president turned around. I was like, this is Michelle's purse. And he was like, that was good too. And uh, that's the secret thing about Barack Obama is that he is super competitive. Very yeah. kind, but... Competitive, and I took a glass of red wine that had been in front of my meal, and I just went Hunk! and I was like, and then Russell Wilson was waiting for me. Okay, great. At, I like jumped down to go meet Russell Wilson for the first time, and I was just like, and Richard Sherman was there, and uh, Chris Christie was there. Yeah,
1: a lot of uh, Christie so... material, and that's a lot,
0: yeah, because <laughs> that was the that was his big coming out party after Bridgegate, yeah, and he was trying to reestablish himself. Uh, but again. Uh, I think a president that can take a joke and tell a joke is shows tons of power compared to somebody, because if you watch the Seth Meyer bit, when yeah, he, sure, goes seen after Trump, he got so mad. And for a comedian, I know. when you get to him, you're like, that's a gift. Yeah. That's like, Oh, it worked. It's like trash talking worked. And and, and so, yeah, I mean, so anyway, that it was, I can't believe I did that. And then my wife and I, became seriously ill on the plane ride home. He did? And, oh yeah, we were. she was vomiting and I had, mine was coming out of the other end. <laughs> and, uh, I, and people are like, oh yeah, I bet there was a lot of, yeah, that's a, it's a real letdown after that's over. I was like, no, 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 we had a bug. The entire family got it. My kids were sick
1: and they're like, oh, all right. Yeah, right, right, right. Had to be the greatest night of your life until you get eight or nine out of 10 on 10 questions, which you're on pace for right now. We got to pick up the pace. Question number six. Question number six. Joel McHale, your category 80s television. What 1980s TV drama starred Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman? Uh, I,
0: know, I know it. Uh, what, just in case it's not popping in my head it's about how he's a. Uh,
1: Interesting cast. Ron Perlman yeah, he's and Linda. <laughs> Uh,
0: what the hell is it called uh you can picture it. I, mean, a get, I know it's more of the Big Main. Uh yeah. What do you think? Ron Hamilton and Hamilton
1: right off Terminator, the one one Terminator, and this is with Perlman in the City. What's the name of that show? that show you don't have the coin toss it's got to be beauty and the beast he says it's got to be beauty and the beast but is it no it doesn't sound like it it is is.
0: is.
1: (laughs) five out of six uncharted waters we may have history today i'm asking you about beauty and the beast because seattle sports has its own beast his name was marshawn lynch um you just told this incredible story about speaking to the president and seeing russell wilson and everything what was the moment like for you when Marshawn Lynch ran through the New Orleans Saints secondary and caused a seismic event in Seattle?
0: It was, uh, look, I come from Seattle where before there was Microsoft and Starbucks and Amazon and Nintendo and everything. Before everybody showed up and it got super hit, before the rock and roll, before, before grunge we had one championship team this, uh, Seattle sports were so depressed all the time because we had one championship team Howard Schultz sold it and after we got to the finals and were beat by Michael Jordan but the Seahawks always were okay Zorn was great Dave Craig almost got there then we got to the Super Bowl where the the ref wrote a letter apologizing for how bad his officiating against was. the
1: Steelers the worst He actually wrote right. a letter that's a true story
0: wrote a letter and people were like you can't blame the refs and I was like I feel like I can blame this one and uh uh and so it was like this tidal wave of like I, I think we got a really good team I think this team is like because we're we're all so uh shell shocked and gun shy from being so disappointed always and then we just had this great team and we rolled right into it and Marjan had just had this crazy ability and and i think people also every it always seems like and that's what they always call us the nfc worst because all the teams sucked and we come to the playoffs with a losing record and i was just like you'll see (laughs) see.
1: And, and it was just an unbelievable moment for everybody but seattle especially joel i'm gonna list some names of seattle athletes and i want you to tell me who is the one like he is, if who is the Michael Jordan for Chicago or John Elway for Denver? I'm going to list them. I'm just going to start listing them: Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson. All those guys. Who who is on the mountaintop for Seattle athletes?
0: Jack Sigma. No uh... Sigma.
1: I love Big Sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: Freddie Brown, Benoit Benjamin. Uh downtown freddie brown uh i will it's I, I this wait who did you say benoit benjamin Benoit
1: benjamin yeah i throw i'll throw him in there oh, good one <laughs> Xavier you. mcdaniel remember sure him? Yeah, x-man yeah he's in the no, movie X-Men. singles he has a dirty joke about coming it's crazy I, you know yeah, that that's right yeah it's cra- he has a cameo and he tells the guy having sex uh it don't come yet it's nuts <laughs> so to speak
0: <laughs> good but who's um, the guy well i gotta say it's either i mean it's Russell Wilson brought the championship yep. home and has created this uh culture of I th- where you go, I think we're gonna win. And I would say the other person is probably Gary Payton, um, because he took no shit yeah. and uh he was so fabulous against uh, even though Jordan was like, Yeah, I don't remember any of that, and <laughs> you know he did, and uh so <laughs> um yeah I mean but but Russell brought has brought you know brought that um brought brought the championship home and so but in that same conversation as Sherman and um and and got to pick one Joel
1: got to pick your guy I have to got to pick one who's the man I think I think your first answer was Russell Uh, if we're
0: gonna gonna go with total championships then we're gonna say Sue Bird
1: oh great choice the storm Sue Leap and Bird you're right
0: I mean that's that's more championships than any other team. So
1: That's Sue bird beats out them all. And Russell brought the championship home too. That's what you're attempting to do here, Joel. We have only four questions left and I'm able to milk them forever. Let's do it. You're five out of six understanding the greatest score we've ever had is an eight out of 10 for Patton Oswald. Tim Robbins and Paul Rudd got a seven out of 10. And then you got others like Aaron Rodgers who are well below that, but you're ahead of the pace. Joel McHale, we're going to talk about a friend of yours right now. Question number seven. Your category is Adam Devine. Adam Devine was on this program. We had an episode with Adam Devine. He didn't do as well as you did. However, I said, I know Joel McHale is going to be on the show next week. Tell us anything about Joel McHale. Just right now, Adam, go. Say something about Joel McHale. Joel, multiple choice. When prompted, did Adam Devine say, A, he told the story of you trying to get him eaten by a shark? B, he marveled at your diet and made a fart joke, or C, called you, quote, comedy adjacent. What did Adam Devine do? Was it the shark, the diet, and the fart, or calling you comedy adjacent? Diet. You think he mentioned your diet? Yeah. Interesting. We have a clip of what he said about you. Here is Adam Devine when I said, hey, Adam, say anything right now about Joel McHale. Go ahead. Joel
0: is like, well, I'm on a bean diet right now. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm like what <laughs> and he just like ate a lot of beans i have no idea i'm like that sounds foul like your
1: bedrooms must be atrocious smelling but yeah but he looks fantastic light him up the stays hot six out of bleeping seven yes. uh he did go to the bean diet and and the farting a couple different offshoots of that joel it's the ball busting between friends is something that I'm sure you do with a lot of people in your life, but you do it on the darkest timeline, which is your podcast that you do with Ken Jong, which I've listened to a bunch and it Thanks. is highbrow ball busting, like deep, deep messing with other guys. Tell us about the darkest timeline and why people need to listen to it, which I've been doing for the last week. Well,
0: thank you. We've, we have taken a, a break uh, while Ken, you know, hosts two of the biggest shows on television. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was doing card sharks and, uh, and so, I mean, Ken, as I always say, he's, he was very dangerous when he was a doctor. So it's a good thing he went into acting because then he could hurt no more. Uh, but we, I, we, when we, we started we're like, Hey, you're a doctor. I don't know anything. Let's talk about COVID and what we know. And, uh, we'll talk about that for like 15 minutes and then we'll bring on a friend And we'll chat with that person. And so like people have called in, they're like, we want to get our client on. I'm like, "Uh Oh, they were like, we want to talk to your booker. I'm like, you're looking at him." And uh, so that's how it kind of all started. And it was during, you know, in the intense COVID time when no one was working and Ken and I are both OCD workaholics and our families are like, "Will you go do something, go run around in circles, attach a rope to your waist and just go around. And so, (laughs) uh so that's how that got started so we'll probably I think after the election we'll get back and um uh but it, it is really fun and we've been friends since community and um uh I still I well I physically saw him at the mask singer so that we were doing the you know thing for six months before I actually saw him in person so it was so that's the kind of impetus of it but we've had some really uh, cool guests on like Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg, and, Goldberg yeah. uh, and, and
1: uh Nathan Fillion
0: yeah, he was great. And, they, I, and he's my favorite Canadian. And so, uh, so it was just, it's, you know, I mean, you, you do know, I mean, that takes a lot of work awesome. and yeah. And so if you don't put the work in, then it's just messing around, but we want we really want to know about these people, and we go forever. We go yeah. for two hours. So, uh, and my wife will be, my wife will pop in and she'll be like, you still talking to your boyfriend? And I'll be <laughs> like, yep. And then I'll be, then I'll, then I'll be like, we're still on. So uh, it's, it's really fun.
1: I meant to ask you this at the top, Joel, I forgot, but you do a lot of talk shows really well, late night shows, morning shows. She's just a great guest. You get it, you click, and a lot of topics come up routinely. What is on the Mount Rushmore of the Joel McHale? He gets this question all the time. I, here's, here's what I've put together. Is there going to be a community movie? Uh, was Chevy Chase an asshole to work with? Mm -hmm. And did you use the Gene Rayburn microphone on Card Sharks? That's on. I think that those three of those are on. What am I missing?
0: Oh, you're missing people reading the Wikipedia page uh, about football to where they always (laughs) go like, so you won a national championship, huh? And I'll be like, I joined the team after and I tried to fix that. And, uh, and then, and then, so so that's always, yeah, that's one, that's one
1: that's always up. And then it's like. You were born in Rome, Italy, huh? And that's always, always... Wiki research. Transparent paper thin, dude. They don't have the Swanson's Hungry Man. Joel, you're kind of breaking the game. You're (laughs) six out of seven. Three questions left. Eight is their all-time mark on the show. And here's a great category for you. Question number eight. Your category is name the movie. I'm going to play you, Joel McHale, the host of Card Sharks on ABC, a clip from a movie that I think you've seen. All you have to do is say what movie it is. I want you to listen very closely it's going to be two gentlemen in a bar trying to hit on a young lady at the bar. Joel McHale, name the movie. Hi, how are
0: you? If you're ever, uh, if you're ever in town, I mean, if you're ever in town and not like in a bar, I'm sorry, that came off wrong. Right? It sounded like you're some kind of skank. I didn't mean like, I wasn't trying to say you're like a filthy little girl. Hey, time's up, Cass, and ever. Can I join you for a drink?
1: Let's talk through it. The synapses are firing. Did you recognize any of the voices?
0: I think I recognized Matt Damon. And so then I was like, "Is a goodwill hunting. Uh, but then I didn't cast it never. But yeah, it's, it's goodwill hunting.
1: He says goodwill hunting with Matt Damon. Is he right? Matt oh. Goodwill hunting. You know what that was, Joel? What was that? It was stuck on you. I
0: have never seen "Stuck on You."
1: Yes, you have. You've never seen "Stuck on You" with his join twins.
0: I think I've made reference to it, but I've don't. I think I don't think I've ever seen it. And the Farley brothers would be very upset with me.
1: "Stuck on You" that is him and Kinnear in a bar, and when he says yeah. "game's over, Casanova, they swap each other out by their you know attached cavity or whatever, and they sit down. "Stuck on You." Uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> you were white hot. You got like six in a row. I bring up "Stuck on You." You once called working with Matt Damon one of the great moments of my life now we've covered a lot of great moments in your life why was that so great and we've all watched Matt Damon for 20 years what was it like tell us something
0: uh well I had done I started the soup in late like 2004 and no one watched it for like a year yeah. nobody and so well, we were just entertaining ourselves and um uh and then, so I'm doing it for like two years and it's going well. Like, it's people are like, it's not going off the air and it's slowly creeping up. And then Steven Soderbergh wants to read me for this movie. And I'm
1: like,
0: what in the world is happening? Because and of the soup that
1: he seen you on the soup. And he's like, I like that guy. Ian Jules That's Asner. So flattering, man. Yeah, Jules and, Asner.
0: No, I couldn't believe it. And so um, I auditioned and got it, couldn't believe it. And I'm a huge Matt Damon fan. They're like, you're, you're going to be going out to Decatur, Illinois, which is, uh, sure. you know, the Paris, the Paris of Illinois. <laughs> and, um, I'm, you know, like it's, it was the first time, like I'd ever had a part, a real part in a real movie. I mean, I had a small part in Spider-Man two, which is yeah. a real movie, obviously, but this was like, you're going to be there for three weeks and I had just had another child. Oh, and my wife was like, don't go. <laughs> and, um, uh, understandably, and, Um, you know, just watch him do to watch him work, I was just like, Oh man, this guy is just effort, and on top of everything else, I mean he's an effortless actor, and he's you know one of the best alive, and uh, but he's the nicest man in the world, and that change, yeah, that's that permeates an entire set that changes the set. When the guy at the top, and obviously Soderbergh, who is the nicest person as well, and could have been a stand-up comic, so could Damon, um, but uh that culture that they create on that set i'll just never forget i was just like oh we're all here in this conference center living together and i you know i just look back at that as such a great experience and um one that i will go like i don't know why i got to do that but thank jesus i did and um and that's why i went on to win the oscar
1: <laughs> That's why you thank the Academy and Jules Asner for making that happen with Mr. Cool. soderberg You, um, I I bet you get a lot of frat boys and power drinkers and wise guys who are like who recognize you from TED. To oh, you, yeah. show up at the end of TED, and it's you and Mila Kunis and Mark Wahlberg. So did you feel the same way about TED? And what? Put it this way: Wahlberg and Damon, two super successful actors, they are both in the parted together. What was different about Wahlberg from Damon? Give us the experience.
0: Oh, well, you know that the movies I mean, it was a totally different kind of movie, obviously. Yeah. One is about a kind of a really interesting agricultural crime that not a lot of people knew about and, um, and also was a truly bizarre but real story, and Matt Damon's character was very close to what the the actual guy was like, the actual guy was even wackier. So, um, and then you go to a Seth MacFarlane film where it is obviously, uh, a much more uh, broad comedy because you have a foul mouth teddy bear. And it is one of those things where Mark Wahlberg also totally cool. And so was Seth MacFarlane. Mila Kunis obviously is so nice. So they also created that same culture. um, but it was a broad you know it was a broader comedy so I was going you know I was doing any I was you know I was doing lots of improvising and 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 lots of wacky uh jokes so and that was shot in Boston and so it was totally it was a completely um you know different kind of movie but still like really I mean uh, Seth was always going like I don't know if this is gonna work a talk like a dirty teddy bear I don't know yeah. if anyone's gonna watch this <laughs> And then, obviously, it a lot of people did, and it became one of the biggest comedies of all time. And um, I was happy to be in it, and I got to tell some really good jokes. And um, they cut out actually a whole part of my story for time because sure. the thing would have been, and so they replaced that part of the story with that very long fart, and uh, <laughs> where I'm just like I was holding that in all night, and um, which was it kind of it was a dynamite joke. So yeah, good uh, change. Yeah, it was dynamite. So. Um, so, yeah, I, so, yeah, and I don't, I don't talk to Mark. I once in a while will communicate with Matt Damon, but I don't talk to Mark Wahlberg. I'm happy to, uh, if you'd like to, get together. But he's yeah. a super nice guy. Uh, yes, he loves the Patriots,
1: but that's okay. That's fine. That's okay. Do you, um, Damon and Wahlberg both love the Patriots, actually. Damon, you communicate with them sometimes. Texter, is he, uh, what kind of texter? I'm is an Damon? emailer. No, 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 they're smart. Oh, it,
0: you're an emailer? They're smart. No, for them. No, it's very smart that I don't have their numbers because I would just be like, what you doing? And so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see if we can graduate to that level. But he, he just had a 50th level. birthday. Happy birthday, Matt.
1: Hey, Matt Damon. Happy birthday. And thank you for being so nice to Joel on the inside of the informant. I don't think we said the name of the movie. If you guys haven't seen it, Damon gains a bunch of weight. He's really good. He's got a mustache. It's got bacula kicks ass in it. That's a whole other question. Oh,
0: Matt Damon's performance, I believe, was Oscar worthy, and the movie was kind of uh, just kind of dismissed. And now it has this new kind of life that it was like, oh, this was fucking great. So, uh, also watched uh, Matt in um, the other what is it, uh, Contagion? Which oh, sure, yeah, sure, got a real that now. <laughs> real fun
1: for the pandemic. Yeah, watch Contagion and then cleanse the palate with We Bought a Zoo, something something Uh-oh. nice and pleasant. <laughs> All right, Joel McHale is six out of eight. Uh, six out of eight right now. He has two questions left. If he gets both of them right, he can tie the all-time high score. Question number nine, Joel, your, your category is Shirley Temple. Not the drink. I'm actually talking about the person. In 1932, Shirley Temple had a hit with the song Animal Crackers in My What? Animal cr- Crackers in My What? It's one word. It's the name of the song. She sang it in 1932, and it has something to do with you.
0: Uh, I'm going to say
1: hair. He's... <laughs> you do have signature hair, I think, Joel. Is it hair? Animal Crackers in no, My it's Hair? It's animal crackers in my soup. It's animal crackers in my soup? A buzzer beating answer change. Is that good or not? Did he get it right? Is it soup? Woo-hoo-hoo. drama animal crackers in my soup joel i watched the soup for years i watched talk soup for years before that you were really really good at it man i mean really good do you have of all the, the, the madness and the bullshit and the batshit and the craziness do you have a favorite soup memory
0: Boy, uh, when Eric Idle agreed to come on the show uh, from Monty Python, that was like having, it was having a childhood superhero come on the show. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was in a sketch. And this guy that played Mankini was my, my best friend since fifth grade, since Catholic school. And we would watch Monty Python endlessly together and memorize all the bits. And then there we were on camera with Eric Idle, with my friend. And I was, that's when I was just like close to tears. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that popped right into my head. Um, I couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it. And so that's probably, and that was on the final show. I mean, that was on the last show we did. He canceled it. Thanks. Um, But you know, through the years, like, I'll never forget when Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston came on to try to get people to watch breaking bad. They came on a couple times.
1: Because, Early season breaking bad. They came on yeah, like, yeah, no check one, the show out.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things where so many different television shows have been canceled before they should have, because some fucking stupid ass executive was like, it's not doing well, but the, the channel loved it and they hung in there and then it became the show that it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank God it's, it, it's, it's an existence. Um, Remember when the cast of Kids in the Hall came on? Love I remember Kids
1: when, in the Hall. Love them.
0: Yeah. Shaq picked me up and put me over his arm like that. That was pretty cool. Um, the cast of Battlestar Galactica came on. Uh, I mean, those are those little things. Um, and then we had, I don't know, we had a bunch of uh, reality stars come on that we had been making fun of for years and they sang We Are the World. Uh, so there was. I, I loved the jailbreak. We kind of, he was very cool. Uh, Ted Harbert, the president at the time, it changed after he left. Uh, but uh, Ted Harbert was just like, just do what you ever want. Just make sure you make fun of the network. And I was just like, you don't, you don't hear that from a network president very often. So uh, yeah, I look back, it was 12 years and I look back on it very fondly. We tried to get it going on uh, Netflix, but uh, we got two seasons. So yeah, maybe it'll come back, who knows?
1: Sure. It did at one point when you, the, the Monty Python fellas brought tears to your eye at the end. It seems to me your best shows, Joel, might have the ones that bring tears to your eyes, like Card Sharks, When Someone Wins a Lot of Money, and When the Monty Python Dudes Come On. And maybe 10 questions, because you are about to tie the all-time record as we finish the show. Question number 10, Joel McHale, is always an essay question. What that means is, I have gone back and found an opinion of yours, or a take, as we say these days. I'm going to say it to you. And you have the floor, however long you want, to defend that take to me and to explain why you are right about that take. If I'm satisfied with your essay, I give you the point. Unsatisfactory, no points. It's up to me, my friend. If you get this right, you will tie the all-time mark of 8 out of 10. Here is the take. Question number 10 for Joel McHale, the essay question. Joel, I have heard you say this before. I want you to convince me and the listeners. The No Fear brand of clothing is the affliction brand of the 1990s. I said that. Oh yeah, I have it. I agree with what I said. Why is that? Explain to me why the No Fear is the affliction oh. of the 90s.
0: Well, look, No Fear was the affliction of the 90s. Uh, the Ed Hardy t-shirt were the affliction t-shirts of the early 2000s. And then Affliction became the affliction t-shirt of the uh, 2015 around here. Uh, so when you're wearing a shirt that says affliction that you paid $75, $80 for and it's like oh, you're afflicted? Doesn't seem to be too bad because you got to pay that much money uh, for that shirt. And what are you afflicted with? Four tattoos? Are uh, shitty rims? What are you afflicted with, sir? Then you get your no fear t-shirt which absolutely means You have fear. Uh, I met one person one time on the University of Washington Huskies. He was like 400 pounds and it said, no fear. And I was like, I think you're the only one that can actually wear that t shirt, but in about 10 years, you will definitely have fear of your knee
1: doctor.
0: So, (laughs) I definitely, so A, you have fear. B, you're definitely, uh, what, what, the people who said they have no fear. the people who said they're afflicted, no, they're not afflicted. They're just wearing a shirt. So uh, thank you. And I'll, I can talk about Corona beer uh, ad commercial or t-shirts in the late 80s. And I can also uh, talk about Ed Hardy until I fall out of my chair. So I believe, I mean, you want to talk about hypercolor? Sure. The only, who doesn't <sighs> say hypercolor, right? Yes, if you for those of you, there was a dark time called HyperColor yep. that Genera came out with, which was a heat-sensitive uh, shirt that would change color with more heat. And all it did was show people hitting out <laughs> and sweating out of their arms.
1: <laughs> Why would you wear that? What is hyper about it? What's the color? Why? Why would you do that? So it's the opposite. It's an unbelievable, and let me say this. Joe McHale, you are afflicted with an 8 out of 10. Ring them up he got it right and better oh. news Joel you have finished the 10 questions tying our all-time score a brilliant brilliant contestant how do you feel
0: I'm well I have the fa- the way that Matt Damon talked in that I knew I was going to be but he talked the same way he talked in Goodwill Hunting which was kind of fast which is kind of like his kind of savant thing so I was like Oh, it's got to be, it's definitely not Jason Bourne.
1: Uh- <laughs> I only wish we had more questions so we could ask you more about no fear. Cause I know there's like, there's a whole book there coming from you. The only thing left we have to ask you, Joel, is at the end of every episode, we do a call out where I tell the contestant to call out any public figure they know or are friends with who should come on 10 questions and attempt to beat your score Gun down your eight out of 10. Anybody that comes to mind, a man would love to have a woman, anybody that you know, you're friends with, we could have on the show that you could think and maybe challenge your eight.
0: I'm going to call it Allison Bree. Oh, I um, love Allison Bree. We, uh, Allison and I would go at it in the trailer about uh, her 49ers and my Seahawks and uh, her 49ers were better for a while. And then my Seahawks came on strong (laughs) and uh, she knows, I think uh, now she's a director. Uh, She's coming hot off glow. Yeah, She's turning into a huge movie star and she's married to the ugly Dave Franco. So unattractive, not talented. Uh, Boy, he's way too talented and way too attractive. Uh, great hair and so um Allison I don't I don't think you can beat my record eight out of ten forget it good try Allison Bree.
1: the gauntlet has been laid down hopefully Allison Bree has no fear Joel McHale you were incredible and lived up to all the expectation please watch him on Card Sharks ABC Sunday nights and please listen to the darkest timeline podcast it's great it's two buddies chopping it up about all the things you do with your friends Joel, you were awesome, man. It was a pleasure to meet you, dude. And uh, I hope we can do this again sometime, man.
0: Kyle Brandt, Kyle Brandt, I will see you on my television every morning. And thank you for last week when you said Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf are the best in football. And I don't think there's anybody that can beat them right now.
1: Me neither. And there's no one who can beat Mikhail. We will see you next time on 10 Questions. No fear edition. people that can
0: beat McHale and they already have.
1: Kyle Brandt! Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale, Steve Allman, and Jackson Safan. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.